So, Father, we thank you for freedom. We thank you for liberty. And we pray that as citizens of somewhere else in a temporary home, God, that you would allow us to use our freedoms and our liberties to the fullest that you want us to use them for your glory, not for our own. And so, God, as we dive into your word and and, and look at Father Abraham this morning, we pray that you would teach each one of us in a way that we need to be taught, that you would speak directly to our hearts and, and hearts, and may these words not be mine, but yours, God. We thank you and we love you. Give us ears to hear in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, the first thing I want to say is, is, is a lot of times when we read Scripture, there can be some confusing parts in the Bible. And one of those confusing parts can be, if you remember, we're talking about a guy named Abraham, but in our Scripture today, it talked about a guy named Abram. Well, most of you don't know this, but Abram and Abraham are the same guy. In fact, the word Abram is the word for father of many, is what that word means. But Abraham means the father of many peoples or many nations. And so... In this whole promise that we're going to be talking about today, I want you to keep in mind that Abraham went from just being the father of a nation, of a people, of of a small group, to the father of nations through a promise that God called him to. This passage of scripture is one of the most significant passages of scriptures in the whole of the Bible. Because in this moment, when God calls Abraham to the moments that he's about to call him to, this is actually the beginning of the reconciliation of God and man. Because from Abraham comes a blessing, and that blessing is true freedom, and that true freedom is Jesus Christ. And how fitting is it that we're talking about true freedom, we're talking about this the weekend that we celebrate the 4th of July. It's great, right? Everybody's got their red, white, and blue on. I hope you had a great time. And I want to say this. As Christians, this is not our permanent home. We are citizens of the kingdom of heaven. Everybody hearing me? But God has placed us here for a reason. And the reason he has placed us here is not to squander the blessings that he has given to us, but to do something with it. To use the blessings that he's given to us for his glory. Now, I've traveled a little bit outside of the country. And I want to say this. We live in the, or one of the, if not the greatest nation to ever exist on the face of the earth. And we can clap for that and be excited, and that is right. But listen to me. We have come a long way from where we were originally meant to be. And there's a very popular teaching that's going on in our society today that talks about how America was always this secular nation that it did not have Christian roots. Well, listen to me. I studied history in college. I studied American history. In high school, I remember being taught that this was a nation built on Christian principles. I remember in college being taught this is a nation built on Christian principles. And then I remember becoming a youth pastor and being horrified when my students would come to me after school talking about how that was all a myth. Listen to me, church. This nation of the United States of America that's, what, 238 years old today, or this past weekend is a nation founded on Jesus Christ, on the biblical foundation of God. And when somebody tells you otherwise, they are just dead wrong. Now, I will say this. As a nation, we have drifted severely from where our forefathers meant for us to be. 
And if you don't believe me, I've found some stuff. A guy named Michael Youssef is a fantastic uh, minister, uh, compiled a bunch of information that I want to share with you today. Because if you're one of these people that potentially believes that lie that we're not a nation founded on Christian principles, I want to challenge you with these statements. These are, these are ten statements from the original colonies of the United States of America. Now what they would do is they would have a charter that would go forth. That would basically be their mission statement. This is what they were about. And folks, I'm not making this stuff up. This is right from the pages of history. Okay? America, here we go. The first one is from the Charter of Virginia. It instructs the colonists to help in the propagating the Christian religion to such people. And it went on to name all kinds of people, from the the natives to everything. The Plymouth Charter specifies that the colony was established to advance the enlargement of the Christian religion to the glory of God Almighty. The Delaware Charter defines one purpose of the settlement as the further propagation of the Holy Gospel of Jesus Christ. These are written in our history annals. You don't hear this stuff, do you? The Maryland Charter explains that its first settlers were moved by pious zeal for extending the Christian religion. The Massachusetts Bay Charter emphasizes that Boston was founded by men who wanted to bring the new world to the knowledge and obedience of the only true God and Savior of mankind, Jesus Christ. The early settlers of Pennsylvania came to America according to their own declaration for the spread of the Christian religion. The Rhode Island Charter commits its people to the true Christian faith and worship of God. The Connecticut Constitution told its settlers to help and to preserve the liberty and purity of the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. The New Hampshire Charter begins with we in the name of Christ and in the sight of God. And the closing of our Declaration of Independence confesses that we are under the protection of a divine providence. Now, I'm not a genius, and I don't claim to be. But if these are ten documents out of thirteen that talk about our foundation and why we exist, and every single one of them is mentioning the gospel of Jesus Christ, and you sit there and tell me this is not a nation founded on Christ, you're reading different things than me. And what you're reading is not from the history of this country. Because this is a nation founded on Jesus Christ. Can anybody amen that? We have been placed in this place, in America. We are the the center of the world. I just spent a week in Canada last week, and it blew me away because on their news in the evening is a segment, American News, U.S. News. When I've been in Kenya, I've watched Al Jazeera. They have a segment on their news network. They're looking at America. They're advertising our news. They're talking about America. America is a centerpiece for the world. Now, if we were where our forefathers want us to be, I would say that's awesome, that's incredible, that's great. But church, as a nation, we have drifted from what we just read. If you don't believe me, I've got more evidence than some of the founders and framers of our Constitution and other stuff. John Jay said this, Providence, providence in his thinking, was given to our people the choice of their rulers, and it is the duty as well as the privilege and the interest of our Christian nation to select and prefer Christians for their rulers. I had someone one time tell me that Benjamin Franklin was not a big fan of God. 
Well, listen to this. At the Constitution Convention on June 28, 1778, Benjamin Franklin said this, In the days of our contest with Britain, when we were aware of danger, we had daily prayers in this room for divine protection. Our prayers he heard, and they were graciously answered. Have we now forgotten this powerful friend, or do we imagine that we no longer need his assistance? I therefore beg leave to move that henceforth prayers imploring the assistance of heaven and its blessing upon our deliberation be held in the assembly every morning before we proceed with business. Does that sound like a guy who didn't like God to you? Listen to me, church. Don't believe the lies. The media and the culture will tell you things that are so far from the truth that we just assume they're true because it was on TV or because we heard them or they say it. Don't trust they. Do the research for yourself. Because we have been a nation blessed by God and we've allowed ourselves to drift morally. We've allowed ourselves to drift from where our forefathers wanted us to be. And the reality of it is, is in the church, we're not helping it. This is going to sting. But the divorce rate in the church is just as bad as it is outside the church. As a church, we've got to begin to fight for what we believe. If we say we're Christians and we believe what we say we believe, then we've got to look different. When we look at Abraham's life, Abraham comes from a very similar set of circumstances. A lot of people don't know this, but Abraham's father, Terah, was actually a man who who loved God, but over years and years and years, because people lived to be a bajillion years old back then, he lived 200 and some years long. and, And in that time, as it tells us in the book of Joshua, he began to worship false gods. He began to pursue false idols. And so Abraham himself came from a nation of people that had drifted from God. And what's beautiful about Abraham is three things. Abraham was a man who was committed. He was a man who had courage. And he was a man who was faithful to what God was calling him to. Can you imagine in 1776 sitting down with a group of guys and saying, Hey, let's get all the farmers together and go take out the world's biggest superpower that's ever existed. Those men sought God. They implored God. And when God offered a calling to Abraham, he listened to what God had to say. Church, American Christian, are we listening to what God has to say to us? Or are we comfortable with where we're at? Because you see, Abraham came from a family, the family of Terah, I told you, was his father. Terah was a man with wealth. And and wealth back then was measured in how much land you had. It was measured in in how much... um, uh, land and how much cattle and, and your name and how many children you had. And, and so Abraham came from this very comfortable family, but they were beginning to wander from the Lord. And God was dealing with Abram in his heart saying, I've got plans for you. Abram was like in his 70s. He was married to a woman who couldn't have children. And so back then, again, one of the big societal things was to pass on your name, to pass on your bloodline. And, and so Abram's this guy that, that he, he, you know, he has it made if he stays with his family, but if he leaves his family, he's never going to be able to make it because he can't pass on his bloodline. He has nothing. And God looks to him and says this to him, Abraham, Abram, I want you to leave everything. I want you to leave your father. I want you to leave your possessions because I have something for you. If you have your Bibles, go ahead and turn to Genesis 12. I'm reading from the ESV this morning. I'm sorry I forgot my NIV at home, so 
Um, same content. Says this. Now the Lord said to Abram, go from your country. All right, think about that. This guy can't have kids. He's got nothing really of his own. He's, he's living well off. He's well to do with his family. And God says, go. I want you to go from your country and your, kin- and, uh, and your kindred and your father's house to the land that I will show you. And I will make you a great nation. And I will bless you and make your name great so that you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you and him who dishonors you, I will curse. And in you, all the families of the earth shall be blessed. So verse 4 says this. So Abraham went as the Lord told him. Now, I don't know about your current condition. But Abraham's current condition, according to the world, was pretty good. All he had to do was maintain. He was receiving an inheritance that he could just live comfortably for the rest of his days. But God put something on his heart. And in verse 4, Abraham went. He followed what God had to say to him. What's your current circumstance? I remember a couple of years ago, I was walking. We were in the Bahamas on a mission trip, working at at a couple different places. And on the shores was a derelict, burned-out old vessel. I don't even know if it really floated. But several of us saw this. and, and And I remember asking somebody, what is that thing? And they said, well, that's actually, Haitians will set their families on this, this piece of wood and they'll set them adrift because the reality of being set adrift into the ocean with a chance of making it to America to, to, to survive and to live is far better than the reality that they're currently living in. And I'm asking you the question, what is your reality right now? Are you just comfortably sitting in something when it's actually killing you? Or do you need to look to God and to see what he's doing? See, we as Americans have been blessed. There are people around the world who will put their babies on a hunk of wood and set them adrift in the ocean. Do you catch the gravity of that? Because that is a better reality, the hope of making it to America, than what they're currently living in. How dare we as Christians sit here with the opportunities and blessings that God has afforded us and do nothing with it. When there are people sacrificing their families to the ocean for a hope of making something of them. Do you feel that weight this morning? Abraham left everything and he was obedient to God. Are you being obedient to God or are you just too comfortable? Because God has blessed us. I want to make a very honest statement here. I mean, to be an American, we have been blessed. We've kind of won the lottery a little bit. Because if you've been to Kenya, or if you've been to Uganda, or if you've been to Haiti, you've been all over the world, you've seen that we actually have it very good. The poorest of our poor live like kings in comparison to the wealthy of other nations. And you have been given an opportunity by God to have freedom to talk about Jesus, to share your faith. Do you know in China, if you talk about your faith, you disappear? There are people like Walt Reddy and Warren Goss. Warren Goss stormed the beaches of Normandy. If you're a man, you need to come hear this man's testimony next week. He survived the Battle of the Bulge. Walt Reddy was in the mighty 8th Air Force and bombed Berlin. I always tell Walt, Walt, you bombed Berlin, man. These guys are American heroes that they did this 
understanding that God loved them and God was going to take care of them. We had people that had gone before us. People died and sacrificed so that we could have liberties, so that we could have freedoms, not so that we could sit comfortably by and watch the world go to hell. Are you following me, church? Are you hearing what I'm saying? We are blessed, and we should not squander that blessing. As Christians, we have a responsibility to be like Abram and follow God's call in our life. It continues on to say this, So Abram went as the Lord had told him, and and Lot went with him. Abram was 75 years old when he departed from Haran. And Abram Abram took Sarah, his wife, and Lot, his brother's son, and all their possessions that they had gathered, and the people that they had acquired in Haran. And they set out to go out to the land of Canaan. When they came to the land of Canaan, Abram passed through the land of the place at Shechem to the oak of Morah. At that time, the Canaanites were in the land. Then the Lord appeared to Abram and said to your offspring, think about this, your wife can't have babies. And God tells you, your offspring, that alone is going to get your attention. Your offspring will be as numerous, uh, I will give this land and build there an altar that will be as numerous as the sands on the beach. This is the promise that God made to Abram, to Abraham, that his people would be vast and tremendous, that he would be the father of nations. I mean, first of all, think about the miracle it would take. I mean, I'm in my later 30s, and I, you know, I think about having a baby. I don't know how many of you 70-plus-year-olds out there are excited about child-rearing. But this is the promise that God's given to Abraham, and Abraham left everything for this? I love the story of how Sarah kind of laughs about it. But they have children, and those children then go have children. And Father Abraham had many sons, and many sons have Father Abraham. I am one of them, and so were you, so let's just praise the Lord. You guys know the song? And from Abraham comes a promise that Joshua would later take the land. Remember when we went through that? We talked about that river. Remember that big statue that they left of the 12 stones as they went through the Jordan? And Joshua and his people would take that land that God promised. And the nations thereafter would be blessed. Because from that comes true freedom in the birth of Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior. We want to talk about freedom. We want to talk about liberty as Americans. Yes, we're founded on Christian principles, but the only way we can experience true freedom is through the freedom that Jesus Christ brings us and the freedom from our sins. We've been afforded a lot of opportunities in this great land, and that's one of them. It's not because of America, but it's because of God. But we should take the opportunities that we have and we should tell others about the love and the blessing of Jesus Christ that comes from that promise that God gave to Abraham so long ago. Abraham was a man who stepped out with courage. He was a man that stepped out and he was committed to what God called him to. But more importantly, Abraham is known, three different times he's referred to as the friend of God, but he's known for his faith his tremendous faith. Listen to me. Abraham was told by God, you're going to have a baby. It didn't happen in Abraham's timing, so you know what he did? You guys know the story. He grabbed one of his handmaidens and he, and he slept with her and tried to make something happen in his own timing. And just trust me, that ended up very horrible for the people of Israel. He had a son. That son was later banished and was sent off. And the descendants of that son are still a pain in the sides of the nation of Israel today. 
Don't take things into your own hands. If God is calling you to something, be obedient to it. Because in Abraham's obedience, all of us were blessed. And I promise you this, when you are obedient to God, you will bless others for eternity. Did you hear me? Just as when our forefathers framed the Constitution, the Declaration of Independence, and all that good stuff, we have been blessed because of what they have done on the foundation of Scripture, on the foundation of the Ten Commandments. We are very blessed, church. We need to quit living like paupers and live like the kings that God wants us to be and live like the messengers of Christ, the servants that he wants us to be. We're given a charge to do two things in this life, and that's to love God and to love others. And I think as Americans, we owe it to all those who've gone before us to do something with the opportunities that we've been afforded. God loves us as much now as he's ever going to love us. I want to be very clear that when we go out and we do things in his name, it's not because we're trying to earn our way into heaven, but it's we love him. And I don't know about you, but if someone lays their life down for you, you should want to tell somebody about it, right? God's good and he loves us. I pray that you have a great rest of the fourth this, this day and this weekend and, and uh, pray that God will bless you and keep you. So let's pray. Father God, we love you and we thank you. When we think about the faith of Abram to just get up and to leave his luxurious, easy lifestyle. He was surrounded by a nation, a family that was wandering and drifting from you, God. But he listened to you. He was obedient to you. And regardless of the circumstances, regardless of the fact that the only thing he had to go off of was the promise that you gave him. He, he didn't see any babies being born right away. He didn't see this stuff, God. You just promised, and he was faithful and obedient. And sure, he screwed up from time to time, God. The reality of it is, is we're all screwed up, and you love us anyway. There's nothing we can do you, you, would, you wouldn't still love us, God. So Lord, we thank you for the way that you have blessed each of us sitting in this room, for the opportunities that you have afforded us from our foundations as a Christian nation. But Lord, I challenge us as a church, as we drift as a nation, that you would allow us to lead the way back to you, God. And now more than ever, we would be praying for our church, praying for our leaders, and being cities on the hill being lights in a very dark place. We love you and thank you in Jesus' name.